and welcome to the first episode of the new podcast, Inside Travel Trade, a brand new travel podcast brought to you by Emma Jane Nutbrown, founder of That's the Ticket, and so-called Queen Katie Blake, Client Services Director at Callaway PR. So, why does the world need another podcast? Some of our listeners may remember, in those difficult and dark early days of the pandemic, a shining light that happened every Thursday, where a wonderful human in the tourism sector, Alex Pepys, brought us all together once a week to share our experiences, brainstorm challenges together, share knowledge, keep everyone up to date, and most importantly, keep spirits high. And we missed it when it stopped. Exactly. So Katie oh, and I, it's true, Alex. And so <laughs> we've been discussing for a few months now about what could fill that void. And we thought, let's try a podcast. So the spirit behind it is very much around bringing together amazing industry people, doing great things or simply having a great story. Um, and that we can share with you, our travel trade audience. But it's not just for that sector, it could be retail, it could be arts and culture, anyone that's trying to drive people to go to places. So here we are, it's kind of chat shit really, but we'll try to chat shit in an insightful kind of way, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll certainly try and be insightful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So a little about tickets for those who don't know. Since its founding in 2014, Tickets has been on a mission to make culture more accessible by helping people discover and enjoy museums, attractions across the globe, from iconic experiences to hidden gems. Millions of people have used tickets as their way to explore a city's culture. And today we are joined by Alex Pepys, who is the <laughs> manager for UK and Ireland and has been working in the tourism industry for over 16 years joining from well-known websites such as lastminute.com, Travelzoo, Smart Destinations, and now steering the ship for tickets here in the UK. So, Emma, let's go. Alex, we've asked hey. you to join us. Hello, darling. Um, to talk about the trends in the markets that tickets operate in and what lessons can be learned from them. Um, so without further ado, otherwise we'll fill this hour just rambling along. Actually, Katie, is it half hour? How long are we going to make these? Yeah, these are going to be snappy 30-minute episodes. All right, cool. You can see we're freestyling. Alex, tell us, first question for you. What have you personally learned about the travel trade community during the pandemic? Oh, what have I learned about the, uh, the travel trade community? Um, yeah. I wouldn't say learn, um, as I already knew this, but uh, <laughs> I think the word family uh encompasses this industry uh -huh. i think it's, it's it's um we all know we when you join this industry you know you may swap titles you may swap venues but everyone tends to stay in this industry um and that really gives you a chance to build these incredibly strong bonds that i think anyone who's never worked in this industry would find difficult to comprehend because, you know, I've, I've known people, as I said, I've been in the industry for 16 years. It makes me sound old. But I've known people for 16 years. So you soon stop becoming a client or a partner. It starts becoming friendship. And then, you know, you start, you generally want to see these people. You know, it's not just let's meet up and talk about work. It's, it's I just generally want to see these people because I have a good time when I'm around them. And, okay. um, I you know, this... Uh, yeah, no, just to interject, I completely agree because 
when I try and talk about this industry to other people, they kind of don't, I can't fathom it. So when I say I'm going to work, and then they see me getting drunk at a bar with you, Alex. They're like, well, that's not work. You're fibbing. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> this is it. networking is how we work. <laughs> <laughs> this is it uh, and I, I get called out on that a lot even even at ticket because uh, i don't think it's as 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 uh friendship centric in other in other countries america is very similar but uh for instance in germany and vienna and things like that it's, it's not as as close-knit friendships um, um, why do you think that is i don't know maybe it's something to do with the culture i don't know but um you know uh i, I I don't want to. I don't want to bring stereotypes into play. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, we all know this industry has been just the worst hit, um, or one of the worst hits. You know, um, the whole sector is, is just struggling, and it's such a. It's been such a tough time seeing that from yeah. you know, and and personally, you know, just coming on LinkedIn and just seeing a wall of these green uh, profile frames. I'm I'm ready to work or whatever they are. And it just, and it's people you've known for, you know, 10 years, five years, how long, and you're seeing them, you're like, oh, they've been made redundant now. And it's really tough, but you've seen the industry pull together, everyone sharing uh, job opportunities they've seen, um, sharing goodwill messages, they're sharing data and ideas between what other industries would say hey that's your competitor you don't want to be telling them what you're doing but we're just trying to help everyone out here we're all trying to just raise the bar so the industry can survive yeah i think um, the industry you know. oh, go on, Katie. I, was, I was just going to say it's that, you know i completely agree and i think it's this this spirit that everyone in the sector definitely was in, imbued in um you know the last seven months which is you know if the tide comes in all the ships rise you know, and, you know, I think it's this idea of like data sharing and, you know, letting people know what's working and what's not. It's about everybody as a collective succeeding rather than one organization kind of like, you know, keeping its secret source recipe to itself um, mm. at the detriment of others. Yeah, when the industry works together, we attract people coming into our area and therefore into our door. So we all work in solidarity, which goes back to what you were saying, Alex. I think it's why the industry is so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why that uh, disastrous uh, government-funded advert of retraining into cyber was such a oh tone death. Oh why it just God. felt so short. Because I think from the outside, people just don't understand what it means to work in this industry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lifelong vocation for many. You're yeah. right, but there's not understanding. I and mean, then there's putting a ballerina on an advert and telling her to get a new job. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> how shit crazy can you get? I know. Yeah. And what is cyber? Cyber's not even a job. <laughs> no. I watched the Michael Spicer um, kind of com comedy sketch on it last week, and it was so funny. Um, he's been very on the mark with all of these kind of... Uh, silly moments that government have done um but yeah i i agree you know it's the solidarity relationships and i love that word that you opened up with alex with family um because i think that's what your thursday webinar felt like for a lot of us was kind of like you know a, a mini family coming together every week yeah and and that's really what spurred me on to do it was just getting people together because i remember we i did it by the by because we would we would i supposed to be holding every uh, year we do the Remarkable Venue Awards and we were supposed to be having it at Body World uh, I know. Back, in, back before <laughs> lockdown in February 
And then this came teetering over and then we, we downsized it and then we downsized it again. And then we were just like, oh, look, we're gonna, can't do it. Let's just do it online. And so we, for the very first time, I got introduced to Zoom and uh, we, we invited everyone who was due to come to, to, to join us on this Zoom call. And it just became evident that like everyone's faces were quite drawn out and quite measurable. And, and, and as soon as like more people were popping on and these windows were popping up and people could see each other and say, hey, hello, yeah. you could see the, the general happiness it was ringing. So, so, so I just off the back of that, I just said, you know what, I'm going to continue this. I've got a Zoom account now. Let's just put it in the diary Thursday, you know, four o'clock, whatever it was. Uh, let's just dial in, try and cheer everyone up, at least just raise a drink to each other, say hello. And if there's any other benefits like sharing data, case studies, and as we went on, uh, as we were learning more and more about, you know, the, the, the virus, the pandemic, what it would mean to us, the impact, because originally we all thought it would just be, ah, just a two week thing and then we'll all be back. But as it dragged on, uh, we realized. Um, yeah, back at yeah. the convention, the UK inbound convention in February, yeah. when the virus had just hit, I think we had our first case end of January, didn't we? 28th, 29th. Mm. And then at the convention, we all reconvened and we were like, oh, we were worried. Our only worry at that moment was the Chinese market, lo losing mm. that trade over the summer holidays. None of yeah, us had anticipated yeah. what was going to come for the rest of the year and unfortunately yeah. into next year. Mm. Yeah. That, that, was my, that was my last event. I think that was the last time I saw anyone from the industry. It's the last time convention. I saw you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it was like a lifetime out. away. It was. Well, it does. It's been eight months. What's going? Nine months. Crazy. Mm, mm. It's so, been so much longer, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it, as I say, you know, it's been around eight or nine months, and obviously a lot has happened. But as you've touched on, there's been a lot of great green sheets coming through, and a lot of businesses doing really awesome stuff. So, what innovation and creativity, you know, has impressed you um, this year, despite what's been going on? Uh, that's a very good question, and. Uh, there are so many um there's just been so much innovation from from this industry that i've been really genuinely take my hat off amazed at, at it um my favorite which i always talk about is um uh, over the other side of the pond uh, gatorland orlando um while we were all still in lockdown um they released a video and I think they called it the, um, the socially distanced ape. Um, I don't know what apes has to do with Gatorland, but <laughs> they, they, it was this messaging how they were reopening safely. Um, and it was so on brand. It was so fun. It was almost like a game. And that's what, and, and you know, it's Gatorland. It was a, a family orientated attraction. And I think they were the first to really come out the stocks and say, Hey, we are going to reopen this is how we're reopening safely and they did it in such a smart on-branded way they really made me want to go to get you know i know i can't i'm over here in london but i really wanted to go over there and and experience it um and i i kept sharing that as a case study to, to other anyone i spoke to who was talking to me about how should they reopen what communication should they be running um because i just thought it was so so well done so so done so cleverly so masterfully and it just looked like it was such an easy thing for them to do um so that's that's the one and you know and i've got a five-year-old son so i know the the mental impact this has on a child um you know he is scared of the coronavirus so i you know 
this was if I could if I was in you know Orlando and we were thinking of going I could show him this video uh, and we'd make a fun game of it and see if we can find these socially distant dates and, and just play along so I just thought that was really really clever um, a little closer to home Blenheim Palace did a fantastic job with their reopening Blenheim Palace yeah 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 they they I think they were one of the first to reopen because they had the garden um, so they were ahead of the curve as well. Um, but they, their site, you know, I think it was all about promises. I'll promise to you. Um, again, very on brand, very good marketing, tying it in. They know exactly who their demographic were. Um, and I think they had a live feed uh, to their grounds as well. So you could see just how busy it was in case you were scared. Because this is when we were just venturing out back in late June, early July, when we well, after being locked indoors for four months and being told not to go anywhere near anyone. Um, this is the very first time we could venture out. So to have a webcam to say, look, you can see exactly um, how it's going to be, who's, who's there, how busy it is, you know, people are keeping their distance. So again, it was a very clever way of getting people, coaxing them back in, but talking to that database in a very on-brand way. So um, they did a great job. I like um, that. I, yeah, like, yeah. I like Ab Promise to you. I think that's really yeah. emotional. It's a very strong it, campaign. It, yeah, yeah, it was. And it, and it had a, a video of how you, what happens when you drive up, how you would get your ticket scanned, how you would access the properties. So any questions, it was just all answered in this video and this live feed. So I think, you know, they did a great job. Yeah. Um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing all the venues and OTAs, actually, Christmas campaigns coming up because... I like the I promised you kind of message and we've not been able to make memories in the same way that you know you as usual this year so I'll be really intrigued to see if any is messaging across their Christmas campaigns to be like gift gift the gift of experiences this year mm. let's recreate those memories that have kind of been taken away from us yeah I mean Christmas is going to be a tough one right I mean right now we don't even know if we're going to be indoors or outdoors right now i mean there's, there's christmas threat, day there's is threat is, of yeah. lockdowns um but, but yeah i mean experiences should still be i think very like an emotive campaign that should really be led by someone like visit britain but if it's not it can be led by otas like you guys or the venues themselves yeah i mean we for the summer going back a bit you know we took on a DMO inspired advertising campaign with our awakening weeks and created a video saying these cities are reawakening, discover your city. And we released these videos of people walking around. We got influencers involved and things like that. So we as an OTA kind of stepped into the DMO area uh, with a very generic open-ended kind of, it wasn't uh, buy through us as a discount. It wasn't that kind of message. It was just you know, let's go out there. We can now explore again. We can be yeah. uh, an adventure on your own doorstep and explore the, the very best that your city has to offer. Yeah, make uh, memories again. Yeah, yeah, experience, yeah, absolutely. Experience again. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just, just go out there because, you know, it's a tough one that we've all had to pivot to domestic audience because domestic audience is a tough audience because they're like, you know, I, I live in London. I'm, I'm guilty of it. I walk past you know, Tower Bridge, Tower of London every day. And I'm like, ah, I've been, I've been, uh, I'll visit again, I'm sure sometime, but there's no sense of urgency to mm. visit this weekend or visit this week, you know, whereas obviously when you go on a city break abroad, 
you spend your time running ragged, running around. You know, when I when I last went to Rome, I almost needed a holiday after that to recover because my legs were knackered because I wanted to take it all in. I wanted to running around the entire city. Yeah. Um, you don't do that in your own city. No, but I, I think yes, I, no, actually, I beg to differ slightly. Only this year because traditionally, yes, domestic audience is far more difficult for exactly the reasons mm. you just laid out. However, this year. Us, we are our domestic audience, right? Mm. We also haven't had anywhere to go. And that's why I say oh, yeah. isn't so much. And we are now exploring our own areas in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise because we go away. We go to them in Malaga or we go, do you know what I mean? And yeah, now no, you're absolutely right. And, and one of the benefits is a lot of, a lot of venues are um, saying that they're seeing a, a rise in their memberships because that domestic audience is like, I will go back. I will make the most of it. I, I'm on their doorstep. I want to go more than just once a year or once every 10 years, depending how often you visit. And they're buying memberships. And their memberships are going up, which is obviously right now a very vital lifeline for a lot of venues. So, I mean, it's good to see that that is, that is happening. Definitely. Yeah. I think also one of the challenges, going back to Emma's point around Christmas, is this whole tier lockdown piece and the limitations that has on travel because obviously people can't go from a high tier to a low tier in terms of when they go about. So I, I, I feel, you know, a, a kind of a, a, I echo with what um, Emma's saying around, you know, people discovering more. I know my dad went to Cornwall for the first time ever um, in September because he couldn't go where he wanted to, which was Portugal. Um, and he went down to Cornwall, had a whirl of a time and he'd go back. So I think, you know, if some people who are more creature comforts may stay a bit more local. I mean, I'm lucky in Hampton Court, you know, I've got, so much on my doorstep that I know I can keep doing, I won't get bored. But I think it comes down to also money. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs, there's a recession coming. Um, and I think that, you know, traveling across the country can be cheaper, but I think also it can also still be quite expensive if you've got a family. So I think those family memberships um, are really key to make sure that, you know, we're not just going after the grey pound or the solo travelers, that there's a really good kind of added value offer for families too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, you're lucky you got Hampton Court Palace. And I like that you just focused on staying local. So this is another Christmas campaign idea free for venues to pick up on. Stay local, experience local. Let's tap into that domestic audience that we wouldn't have otherwise had. So Alex, what are the trends you're now seeing in the markets that you operate in? I mean, there's, 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 I mean, what they said about the pandemic is that it's it's hastened trends that were already prevalent. So it's just it's just speeded that up. And obviously, the number one trend is just digital, digital, digital. Um, and that's just all aspects, whether it's ticketing, whether it's marketing, whether it's content communication. It's just all about digital. Um, you know, uh, ticketing is obvious, right? I mean, there's two main reasons for that is obviously uh, being stuck at home. People came more digitally reliant. They became more, you know, uh, even the, even all generations, they became more more uh, aware of digital and better at using it and to buying tickets. And, you know, you, you were buying your, your toilet paper at Sainsbury's online, you were buying knickknacks from Amazon to keep you entertained. Uh, and so you're using your phone more and more often or your tablet or your laptop, whatever you've got. Um, 
But then also the, the venue side of things, obviously with reduced capacity, they need to have that advanced bookings and, and they need to know exactly who's coming, when they're coming, how many, you know. Um, so, you know, ticketing, is, uh, digital ticketing is, is, is uh, obviously what venues have been adopting. Um, you know, they're all trying to find new API partners or channel managers. So that's been a big boom. You know, we've had, from, as an OTA perspective, we've had a lot of people suddenly request who we perhaps were just reselling um, just to say actually can you connect via XYZ so we've had to do a lot of extra work there to keep that to keep that relationship going I found um, that actually that people are especially attractions who want to be more connected more digital to be more flexible yeah, in, yeah. A, in a new world so there's I've seen personally a huge rise on people wanting to connect to channel managers like your ingressos like your bokens yeah yeah um, I think Attraction World have kind of nailed that because they've become the aggregation connecting yeah. the suppliers to all these distribution partners. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And like Magpie as well. And, you know, there's the, um, as we speak, there's, there's a rival going on and, a, a, you know, large part of that content arrival right now is all around channel managers, API partners. You know, they're getting a lot of the attention under the spotlight at the moment. Um, and it's great, you know, uh, to to have to ask your customers to print a ticket these days, you know, before Corona hit, you could board a plane with your ticket. You know, did I really need to print a ticket to get into a museum? Um, no, I didn't. But to to get the museums to change their mindset or to invest—that's probably the biggest bugbear, right? They had is, is to invest because a lot of their systems were just really ancient. Uh, and uh, which I completely understand. It's very simplistic of me to say it from from an outsider. Say, oh, they should have invested in their ticketing, but it's because of the I get it. When yeah, absolutely. When when you know, you, you, it's an operational nightmare for one, absolutely. Um, but there's also, I guess, if you've only got a limited budget, where you're going to spend that on the customer facing exhibition or the operational back end of things, and the operational back end usually gets ignored. In, in, in place for the, the very pretty facing customer exhibitions or marketing or PR, whatever it may be. So you can, I can kind of understand, but there, you know, a lot of, a lot of websites, you can just look on there, just, you can see they're dated from, from how they, how they work. And they're missing an opportunity there, not just from connectivity. So using channel partners to work with, you know, the likes of us, for instance, but they're also not able to do smart things that checkouts, are supposed to do like you know increase your conversion increase your yield by with add-ons and things like that so um it'll be interesting to see how museums you know it, they continue developing the digital side of things uh especially when it comes to their ticketing and the website and mobile technology and everything else um but then there's the other side as well the other digital side which is you know the content the marketing uh virtual experiences and so on and so forth that has also seen a huge boost. I mean, I've been loving the um, historic Royal Palaces uh, experience, virtual experiences. I'm not sure they're virtual experiences, but virtual, virtual tours, aren't they? Talks yeah. with, with um, who is it? Lucy, um, her name escapes me now. Yes, yes. And they got one, I think it's tomorrow or Saturday about Royal Ghosts. Uh, they've done a really fantastic job of just continually uh, producing content. Uh, and video content as well, mm -hmm. this, you know, so they've done a really fantastic job, I think, of just continually talking to their audience 
when they know their audience can't get to them. Absolutely. Um, and as a, as a local, they've been doing really well. Yeah, and as a local in Hampton Court Palace, they really looked, not look after us, but they you know, offered a lot of locals the chance to kind of go in the gardens, um, you know, and kind of first access um, opportunities as well, I heard. Um, but no, I, I'm a huge fan of their content. And I think what's so lovely also is that a lot of people didn't know that like the beef eaters lived in the Tower of London. So not only mm. was London in lockdown, but the beef eaters couldn't leave. <laughs> so, you know, they were able to turn yeah. those stories into really interesting content, like you say, and play on myths like the ravens um, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I completely agree. Um, so yeah. if, if we think about kind of some of the, I guess, lessons you just touched on there, you know, embracing digital, you know, where you can, investing in ops, um, you know, to make it kind of more up to, up to date and modern. What other lessons do you think UK destinations can learn from that you're seeing in other markets? Um, I mean, we've seen, I mean, it's, it's hard to present data on this, but you can see it from as an outsider, but for those who keep the visitor experience at the core of their offering really seem to be recovering better. Um, so, so, you know, as we talked about being able to communicate in a very clear manner to their demographic about this is exactly what you're going to get when you arrive at the destination. We're very sorry, but X, Y, and Z exhibition wing may be closed because we just can't, it's got narrow tunnels or narrow walkways, or we just can't get the spacing right there for you. But just being very upfront, you know, being really good with their communication. Um, the last thing you want is to get, uh, you know, uh, a, a digital warrior complaining on social media that they had a terrible time or were waiting to get in. Um, that's the last thing you want. So, you know, I, I think that's been very good. It, 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 those who have put the forefront on their messaging. Um, don't just simply repeat government guidelines, make them the, your own. Bring in a socially distant ape or however you want to do it, you know, but do it in, in your way. I think if you visit the London Transport Museum, um, they've done it fantastically, I have to say. Uh, all their messaging is, is very on brand, it's very fun, it's very what you would expect to have in, 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 that, in that building. Um, you know, marketing is still important. Absolutely. Um, it's not morally inept to, to continue marketing and to think far and wide and tell people to come to your venue. Um, you know, the current guidelines are people can, within their region, obviously, go and visit visitor attractions. So you should still put yourself out there. You shouldn't, I mean, obviously, I know budgets are tight, um, but if you can, absolutely do do some marketing. And as we know, you know, you can do it very simply um and, and relatively cheaply with, with maybe reusing some of the content you've already got down the years you know looking into your archives and things like that um at tickets we we did a blog post one of our most popular blog posts was our, our top netflix documentaries um you know just completely not something we could typically talk about um but people were just desperate for for uh, communication they were desperate for for to to not be bored you know so you know we're suddenly talking to them in a very human way um that perhaps we weren't engaging with them beforehand um you've got good sorry. tips in terms of like the marketing but that's mm. like generic across all markets what we're seeing 
for example, Macron has obviously announced a national lockdown in France from tomorrow. We've got Angela yeah. Merkel, she's doing the same for Germany on Monday. Do you guys at Tickets internally do anything to prepare these markets? Or do you just keep the markets going as usual? Do you send any communication out to the venues? Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we uh, um, our marketing team are meeting regularly and, you know, it's a changing environment day to day, week to week for, for all our regions that we operate in. And I imagine every other marketing department and all other businesses are having to do the same. Um, so what we do, we, you know, we've doubled down on our virtual content. You know, uh, tomorrow we're doing a, a live uh, a virtual tour of Dracula's Castle, which I'm really excited, stroke scared about. Uh, but it's fun, you know. We, we, you know, Halloween. You know, it's a bit different this year. We know that, so let's let's find a way to experience it together. Um, when we did one of our virtual experiences at the 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 Mets in New York, we had a couple join us who were on their first date. Oh, wow. <laughs> they 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 met while in lockdown on Tinder or whatever. They obviously couldn't see each other. He said, "Hey, how about I take you to the Met for our first date?" And so with the hundreds of other registrants who were participating in this live tour around the Met, this, this couple were having a date, which was a nice little message. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if we go into lockdown again, it is, you know, keep that communication. Start thinking about, yeah, you're gifting messages for Christmas. Absolutely. Um, start producing an open dated ticket or, you know, keep your, cancellation policy as flexible as possible. I know the shards, for instance, I think they've introduced um, an insurance policy. So for an extra £1.50, you can safeguard your ticket. So if, you, if it does go into lockdown, you, you get a full refund. Um, you know, you've got to be flexible. You've got to be forward thinking uh, in case the lockdown does come. I heard a rumour on LBT this morning that there's going to be a mid-December circuit breaker to try to stop the rise that we're currently seeing. We're yeah, I mean, they, they talked about a circuit breaker back in half term, which would have been nice, <laughs> not to get too political. I predicted uh, it would be half term. <laughs> because the shame. children are already off, so you've already got your, you know, so you've already planned for that with your, with your natural exactly. you know, holiday allowance. Afford. Venues won't be able to afford to miss out the Christmas season. Yeah. They need to do it prior. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Alex, wrap it up. Here's the million dollar question. Mm. What advice can you give attractions for 2021? What advice? I mean, this is obviously a very scary time for this industry. Um, so and I don't want to downplay that in any way. But I think it also can be, depending, you know, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. So it can also be a very exciting time for the venues. Um, you know, they've got a blank sheet almost. You know, they can rebuild uh, their offering from scratch, you know, um, and I know that sounds very simplistic again, coming for someone from the outside. I know there's a lot of operational red tape and so on and budget and so on and so forth. But, you know, you can really look at what you're offering and say, is this, is this what we want going forward for 2021? You know, and I think Bernard touched on it, uh, Bernard from, from, from Alva. Um, he said the phrase, you know, um, challenge and, ass and assumptions, you know, don't want to return to business as usual you know, be open to innovation and risk-taking. Um, I think that's what venues now need to do, you know, readdress where they're at, where they want to be, because um, they can relaunch almost uh, a completely different offering. Again, going back to the Shard, um, you know, Luke at the Shard's done a fantastic job, I think, of um, over the lockdown period, over the summer, kind of like 
carrying on his rebrand of making the Shard a truly high-end destination, you now go, obviously there's less people up there, so they've introduced uh, a lot more tables, uh, you scan the QR code at the menu, and within a few seconds you're given a Moe Shandon and you can take in the spectacular views at your leisure, uh, sipping away champagne. Have I not done nice this chair. yet? <laughs> Sounds amazing. You need to do it, you see? You, yeah, yeah, you see? So he, he looked at it and said, okay, well, what do I want the Shard to be? He's always said he wanted the Shard to be a, a top-end destination. So now, what? let's do it. Let's just carry on with that rebrand and make it happen. Um, you know, and I, so I think you really got to be uh, a risk taker right now. Try something new. Try new partnerships. Try new uh, marketing plans or, or tone of voice or rebrand get it, get it done. And don't wait, you know, don't wait, because I know there's a lot of indecision right now. And currently some people are still furloughed. So decision making can be difficult. But um, Peter Kern, the CEO of Expedia Group recently said, the day there's a vaccine announced that people really believe in will be our highest booking day in history. And we saw that again in the summer when people were allowed out, it didn't trickle. It wasn't like, oh, in, in a few weeks, I'll be busy. There was an instant reaction from the public. I can go out, I want to go out. And it'll yeah. be the same once the vaccine is introduced. People will have confidence in the market, they'll start booking city breaks, they'll start you know, exploring the world and they'll do it straight away because they're fed up of waiting. Um, so the venues have to take advantage of that. So that's what I would say for 2021. Well, that's a wrap guys, we're running out of time, but thank you so much for Alex, for giving us your time. Um, Thank and, you, that went quickly. <laughs> and for those of you, wherever you are, tuning in to the first episode of Inside Travel Trade, if you enjoyed it, and we hope you also found it useful, we'd love you to share it with colleagues, peers, and friends. So until next time, au revoir. Adios, guys. Okay. See you later. Thank you, Alex. Take Thank care. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.